As Arroyo puts the ball oh, in the yeah. glove, the left arm came down. No. A game which will go down in Premier League history. Arsenal have let a four-goal lead slip. Quite incredible. Do you have any idea of bringing Colin Kaepernick in to compete for that back job? You just listen to that question I just answered. Okay, I got three years invested in Brett Huntley, three years invested in Joe Callahan. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm sure that one time or another I grabbed a lot of kids. We the New York Jets select tight end from Penn State, Kyle Brady. All right, we are rolling. Thank you, Joel, for joining me. No problem. How are you doing, Joel? I haven't seen you since uh, you did a show in L.A. That was like a couple of years ago at this point. You know, I, I'm doing well. I do have a bone to pick with the Green Bay Packers as a whole at this moment in time. All right, let's just go right into it. Joel's here to talk about the Detroit Lions. We've had many texts exchange over the years. Well, let's go right into your problem with the Packers. Well, you know, I, I don't have great insurance. When I quit my job... I got Medicaid when I was first a freelancer. So I have the worst possible dentists. It's in East New York. And if you know, a new, if you're in Ooh. New York, you know, East Ooh. New York, not a lot yeah. of ice cream machines open at McDonald's. So, you know, the dentists aren't going to be great, right? <laughs> so I'm going to get a cavity filled and, you know, the dentist tells me that he voted for Donald Trump. And you know yeah. what? It's fine. It's his prerogative. I mean, I'm not for that, but I don't want to get the debate. But then I, I shift the, the the conversation to sports, and he tells me he's a Green Bay Packer fan. Oh, that's a and double whammy for you. It's the two worst things you can be in this country. But <laughs> and I I tried to look to take a little wind out of his sails, and I was like, yeah, your quarterback is great. Um, and I think he's just a hero for gay men everywhere. <laughs> and he didn't know that. So I had to explain that Aaron Rodgers was a closeted man who was in relationships to boost his PR status, both his and the ladies. And he was like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was cool. I made the connection to him having a like severed family relationship. And then this dentist he messed up my tooth on purpose. He drilled right into my gum. He left a, a, a sharp edge on the tooth. It's cutting my tongue. My mouth has been filled with blood for three days because I insulted the Packers. Oh, man. That's a real marathon man Roger situation going on right there. Yeah, uh, pro props to Rogers. I love Rogers. It drives me crazy that he's such a good human being who professes union leadership to his teammates. And I just want him to fully be himself. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he's, he's an interesting case. He's been saying some things about, uh, COVID restrictions lately that are not off necessarily. They're like the NFL is hypocritical, but it was a little bit like, why can't we, it was the first time I had like in my whole life worshiping this man being like, huh, okay, Aaron, let's, let's, let's go into that in a little more detail. I'm going to let it slide for now, but yeah. 
But that's okay. I mean, for he's trying to get his younger guys involved. And ESPN ran an article last month about how his relationships with his backup quarterbacks. And he got into a big fight with his former backup because he made them go to a college frat party they were invited to. And the backup, they wouldn't sing to the, the fraternity's queen. So Aaron mm. did. He was participating in the activities, but his backup did not do it. Was that Matty Flynn? It, it, um, in between Flynn and Kaiser, I believe. Mm. Who was that? Hundley? Yeah, Brett Hundley. Yeah. They're both, uh, well, that's interesting because he's a UCLA guy and Rodgers is a Cal guy. I wonder if that influenced any of that. Yeah, but they're both Cali guys. They probably get on just on that. They talk about surfing, how they have the best avocados in the world. <laughs> and you, you you, could tell Aaron Rodgers eats a lot of avocados. Yeah, he's a healthy man. He's I, a very healthy, stout man. Yeah, and it sucks because Aaron Rodgers and I, we've got very similar bodies. And that, that's just being honest with you. And I eat a lot of avocados. And I can tell from looking at his body and knowing his personal life that he, he goes to a lot of saunas. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Uh, that is a fun anecdote there. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That uh, the, the, I, I had a thing with the dentist last year. My den- the dentist I go to is a diehard Browns fan. Ooh. And uh, I saw him last year right after the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph incident. Uh, not only right after that, but right after the suspensions were doled out. And I'm like, are you going to dentist me angry? Which it sounds like happened to you. Yeah, I got dentist angry. Well, this guy always has an anger problem. I had to go to him for three sessions because I hadn't been to a dentist in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And like, As soon as he got done with me, he yelled at his assistants, who are like licensed dental hygienists for his McDonald's delivery being cold. And I don't think that's their job. No, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like... Um... That kind of personality and being a Trump supporter from Wisconsin is relatively consistent, I will say. It is rough. Yes. But I'm here to talk about the Detroit Lions, supposedly. Yes. And, you know, I, I th- I, I've lived through 0-16 years, Ethan. Mm. I've lived through referees probably taking away 15 wins for no real reason. Mm. And I think this might be the all-time low point. Really? You would say oh. now is the all-time low point. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. This is worse than Barry Sanders retiring. This is worse than Calvin Johnson retiring because the worst thing you could do as an NFL franchise is run it for the short term. Mm. And we had the third pick in this year's draft. And there were t- three franchise-changing quarterbacks in this draft. We didn't take either of them. We didn't trade the pick for a ransom. We took a cornerback who is presently rated worst at his division in at his position in the entire NFL. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because Stafford's getting up there. You'd think like, uh, and he's he's had he's had a questionable run uh, up and down. Let's just say, but yeah, Herbert or a uh, Tula in that situation would have not been a bad fit. But yeah, going with a bad quarterback that's rough. Cornerback that's rough. Yeah, I mean, you say Stafford's been up and down, but I feel like it's pretty unfair to Stafford just about the position he's been in. Right. Like, the Lion, it, ultimately it comes down to how well run these companies are. Right. You see teams like the Packers, they're the Steelers, they're in competition for decades long. Right. And that's because they're healthy organizations. And we're run by 
a rapist, a 98-year-old woman, and a sociopath. So that's not great. They're just yeah. trying to save their jobs, and we mortgage the entire future by not a not. We could have a great QB in our back pocket right now. Not at all. Right. So, yeah, let's go into Stafford a little more. He's always sort of weirdly fascinated me, like, because he's, like I said, he's a little bit towards the tail end of his career right now. And he's had stretches of absolute brilliance, like in a way I've not seen, I think, from another Lions quarterback in my lifetime. But then there's moments where it's just like, what's going on with you? So what would you say uh, Stafford's legacy is, if you had to define it? I He's the best Detroit Lions quarterback of all time. He's someone who has succeeded. The success he's had has been in spite of this team. And like Judge Stafford, when he gets the ball down a touchdown with a minute to go, he always gets the team down the field. But it just seems like the offensive scheme has always been pretty bad. This is the first good offensive line he's had of his career. But he's been so injured the past two seasons, it may unfortunately be too late. Right. That's a shame. I, I've always, yeah, I've always really liked him. I think part of it was that he was always someone who would, uh, I draft like at the, he's like the lowest of the QB ones in fantasy drafts or top QB two. And I'd always draft him around then and he'd always murder for my fantasy team. So he's a, yeah. So he's an, he, I, I think he's a better quarterback than he necessarily gets credit for. I feel like he's at the tail end of the top 10, 12 conversation, but for, yeah, but I think you're right. If he had had more help around him, he would have been in, easily like a top five kind of conversation. Yeah. And I think the worst thing that a team can do in the NFL is build around a wide receiver, which Mm. Calvin Johnson was amazing, but what team that built around a wide receiver has won or even gotten to a Super Bowl? I certainly can't think of one and I'm going on 34 years watching the league. Yeah. Cause even the rice years they had young in Montana. So it wasn't like he was the foundation um, I'm trying to think like, yeah, I mean, Thomas definitely helped out Breeze last year, but that was still Drew Breeze at quarterback. So yeah, it's interesting building. I've never thought of that building around CJ is, uh, sort of what was happening there. Yeah. I guess the closest you have the Atlanta Falcons team that blew the 28 to three lead. They come right. to mind. Yeah. That's but, a good example. Yeah. Cause I feel like Matt Ryan won the MVP that year, but that was like Julio's team in a lot of ways. Yeah, and like Stafford, I mean, he's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. He's got a, an amazing arm, but he, I mean, if you put him in the right scheme, you can weaponize that arm and really use it. But just kind of like having a milquetoast scheme of we're going to take the top off the defense, he's without a running game the entire time, Ethan, right. is what really grinds my gears. Yeah, they've not. I'm trying to think of like, I'm, um, I, I hate to hit a sore subject, but I feel like since Barry left, there's not really been a good running game. I've ever associated. I've never been afraid of uh, Detroit's running game at watching the NFC North all these years. No. And you're a Packers guy. So like I've watched you guys like since Dorsey Levins and Amon Green, there's just been an assembly ride line of 1000 yard backs and we can't get anything. Right. It, probably the closest was Javid Best who had concussions and his career, like just as it was taking off. Right. And then we had Joyke Bell, who was like such a great hometown hero. But then in the biggest game of the past five years against Green Bay at Lambeau, week 17 for the division, mm. he fumbled the game away. Right. 
I forgot yeah. about that, that one. That's amazing that I, even I forgot about that one. Well, you have a lot of victories. It's hard to <laughs> count just one, you know? But I think Stafford, like his legacy is it's going to be as a really great man. Hmm. Like does things like his commitment to his family is pretty noteworthy to me. And, you know, he's kind of been the voice, a huge proponent of the BLM movement going so far as to Mm -hmm. write, write columns. He's donating most of his salary this season to a social justice fund at the university of Georgia. And he's Mm -hmm. a rich kid from Arlington park, Texas. For him to have these perspectives and for him to be espousing these beliefs is a really valuable thing, I think. Yeah, I didn't even know that. And compare that to Drew Brees, who this offseason said some real horseshit things. That's really admirable. So, yeah, that you just you just up Matt Stafford in my mind. I feel like I was already more up on him than a lot of NFL fans. But, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, he's been an amazing guy. He's been an always kind of been doing a lot of great things in Detroit very quietly. And unfortunately his career hasn't worked out the way it could have, but he's really kind of just buoyed that by being a pretty amazing person. Yeah. I'll give you that. A lot of, a lot of this podcast when I've had uh, teams on that I have generally negative associations with, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. I like that perspective. So thank you for, uh, making me very much more positive on Matthew Stafford, who I already yep. was, like I said, already pretty positive on. So yeah, what? Yeah. Does sorry, anyone not? hate the Lions? Like you're, you're in our division, you you kind of just feel bad for us, right? It's it's they're definitely team four of four in the division. I would say in terms of how they're perceived. Uh, I I mean I feel I have a lot of, I, when I lived in Chicago, I had a lot of Bears fans, and it was always like. We always would talk shit, and then we would both bond over hatred of the Vikings, and then we'd be like, <laughs> Lions. That would sort of be the general tone of me talking with Bears fans. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's it's a league that's built for parity, and we've been in contention once in 60 years. It's almost beyond the realm of mathematical possibilities. Mm. And what, what about, you know, ownership is terrible, but let's go more specifically into ownership and leadership of that franchise. And oh, please, ha- yeah, please, let's, let's, let's do go it. exactly how, let's go specifically what they're doing wrong and what's terrible about the ownership. Okay, so the Lions, they're always been given to the fail child of the Ford family. Mm. It went from Martha Ford, a 98-year-old woman, to Sheila Ford this last offseason, and of course, the accompanying article, because Lions, they own the local media, the Ford family, they run Detroit. They said that she was qualified to run an NFL team, a $2 billion enterprise, more or less, because she coached a youth soccer team. <laughs> and let me go a little bit further on the Ford family and the Lions. You know, a lot of people, they equate a curse with the Detroit Lions, with um, us getting rid of our former great quarterback, Bobby Lane, won us three titles in the 50s, but he said they wouldn't win for 50 years when he left. But that's not the curse, Ethan. The curse came that as soon as the Ford family purchased the team. Do you know what day the, the, the Ford family purchased the Detroit Lions? What day? November 22nd, 1963. Jesus, is that true? Yeah, that's for those who don't know, that's the day of the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> and I'm like thinking, were they playing the Cowboys at that point or what was going on? No, because they they did it in the afternoon. Like the president was killed and then they just 
went ahead with their business deal. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to respect a presidential assassination, and it's weird. This is so crazy. The Fords, they own the Henry Ford, which is an am- amazing Smithsonian rivaling, rivaling, it's a museum that rivals the Smithsonian, okay? Yes. And that in that museum is the very car that Kennedy was driving in when he was assassinated. Mm. So I don't know why you would even get closer to that day. I It's been downhill since then. And if you look at like the Lions record, that's when things kind of took a turn. Yeah, because I've heard about those 50s championships. It seems like they were, so, I mean, I haven't researched that much, but I'm not like, huh, they won a pretty sizable number of championships in the 50s. They were a pretty uh, empowered franchise for a little bit there. Yeah, they were the best run team in the NFL until the Ford family purchased them. It's been 60 years of ineptitude in it. You know how, like, the Bears have a tribute to George Hallis on their sleeves? Right. That's warranted. George Hallis created the team. He played for the team. He did the marketing deals, and he 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 coached the team for in four different decades. I understand why his initials are on the, on the sleeves. The Lions have WCF for William Clay Ford, and under his leadership, we won one playoff game. (laughs) He was a rich kid who got the team because he won the genetic lottery and was born in the Ford family. Mm. I don't know if that deserves that sort of tribute. Yeah, that's that's different. Yeah, what has he done... Yeah, he's not done jack shit. Like, that franchise, I remember before, they made the playoffs, like, like what was it, like six or seven years ago? And I feel like before that, it was the 90s before they made the playoffs. Am I getting that right? Um, I think 99, we made the playoffs. Um, we were going to make the playoffs in 2001. Um, we had, uh, all we had to do was beat a very bad Bears team at home, last game of the season. It was blacked out. And then, so I went to the game. Mm. And Paul Edinger hit a career-long field goal as time expired. We missed the playoffs. And then within a month later, we hired Matt Millen, who mm. was the worst GM in America. Yeah, it's he, awful doesn't do it justice. He's probably the worst GM in sports history. Yeah, he is. No, he. It's interesting. I've never – it's not like basketball where you're like, all right, the Dolans or like, you know, go name your Knicks GM. I'm trying not to turn this into a pure Knicks trash fest. Um, but it's just like, but I feel like he's iconic in a way, uh, in terms of his awfulness in a way, I don't think I've seen other GMs or NFL, like coaches, this is not even like coaches. Like if you think of like, who's the worst organizational leader in, in at least football in the last 20 years, he's one of the first names that comes up. It's gotta be the first names. Cause the, the other name he took, he took a team that was nine and seven. They went two and 14 for perpetuity. <laughs> He's like the Ryan Leaf of GMs in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, man. Michigan hates Jim Harbaugh as well. This is just a a little tangent. Do you know Jim Harbaugh's first player development job? He was supposed to be Ryan Leaf's mentor. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that, but that's that's fun information right there. Yeah, he was supposed to be the guy who kept Ryan Leaf under his wing. How did that work out? Yeah, that's great. Well, he was good with the Colts. I remember him on the Colts, Jim Harbaugh. He was all right. Yeah, Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Matt Millen, what was it? He kept drafting wide receiver busts. Hell and, yeah. And I think the Lions are actually complicit in the death of one of those busts. 
Mm. Charles Rogers was from the area. Everyone around him's like, yo, he can't stay home. He can't stay home. And so the Lions picked him second overall. He had some injuries. The Lions did not have any structure planned out for him while he recovered from the injury. And then he just spiraled into addiction. Mm. He, He passed away at the age of 36. And you know what? If he's drafted by the Steelers, if he's drafted by the Patriots, I think he's probably alive today. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, that is a yeah. I didn't. I didn't even know he was dead. That wow. Okay, that's I, the way I feel about uh, kind of liking Matt Stafford and like him more. I feel the opposite now about Matt Millen. I didn't know I could hate that man more, but apparently I can. Yeah, this is a conversation about my favorite football team, and in the first twenty minutes, I've brought up their ties to the Kennedy assassination, <laughs> and then. You know, how they're complicit in the death of a former first-round draft pick. So, yeah, pretty well-run franchise there. Yeah, I think that's... Listen, for the Lions, it's a very merited uh, way to direct it. But it definitely seems like Detroit fans, like, with their other teams, they've had success in the relatively recent... Uh, in our lifetimes, at least. The the Tigers made a World Series or two there. Uh, Pistons and Red Wings have won some championships. So it seems... But it seems like... Football is still uh, maybe the central sport in Detroit, and it's the one that is the suffering the most. Yeah, but at this present time, I think the Lions are the best team in Detroit sports. How sad is that? (laughs) Yeah, the Red Wings were good, but then the NHL instituted a series of rules and cap regulations preventing them from ever being good again. Mm. Like they were the Yankees of the sport and they're like, nah, you're too powerful and <laughs> hasn't been good since. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the I mean, Tigers the tig- have been pretty awful lately. Yeah. And the Tigers, I mean, I know they were competitive, but like I gave up on baseball for the Tigers. Like they were the best team for an entire decade. You have the best pitcher of your generation. You have the best hitter of your generation. No World Series because the best team outside of this season the best team never wins the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I always feel like there's a th- something in sports where uh, the teams that dominate the regular season, uh, a lot of times when they have like their worst regular season is when they win their championship. Have you noticed that trend? I feel like the year the Colts won the Super Bowl, for instance, they were really weak for most of the year. And the Cardinals have won some World Series with some pretty shitty teams. It, it definitely feels like... Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. But yeah, the Tigers, it's kind of a shame they never won anything. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And now we have to like kind of pretend that the San Francisco Giants had a dynasty in the early 2000s. No, they got lucky at the right time. They got hot. They rode some good starting pitching. And now you got to look back and make them a dynasty after the fact when they were okay. Yeah, no, I feel like that's fair. I feel like of the of the dynasties in baseball, they are the most low rent one of my lifetime. I would say. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, so I, I, I it sounds awful when I say that, but you're. A, but I feel like that's a somewhat reasonable assessment. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't have fond memories of the Pablo Sandoval era? <laughs> uh, Kung Fu Panda. But yeah, so with the Lions. Um, Let's see. I'm trying because they have had star power. I mean, between Barry Sanders um, and CJ, those are two like 
of the most dominant players of the era. So it's not like they've lacked like an iconic figure necessarily. It just seems like, like you said, they just can't put a team around them. And the play, they like that's two of your probably the best players of our lifetimes in uh, for the Lions who retired early and sort of said fuck it. Yeah, but it's just like there's very basic things they didn't do as a company. Right. Like they didn't get a a lot of teams. They plan their players' meals and they make sure there's masseuses and physical trainers there. The Lions didn't get these things until Jim Caldwell came to town. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, they've had a couple of really great coaches that they just didn't give enough time to. Mm. Am I crazy? Like, I saw Jim Schwartz like turn a title for the Philadelphia Eagles. You're telling me he can't get a longer reach when he's rehabilitating an Owen sixteen team? Yeah, that's true. I it, I feel like the you know. The Browns had an 0-16 uh, year recently, but I feel like that takes away from it, that 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 was it 2008 when they were 0-16. That was almost like yeah, the cul- 2008. I love that, was, that team. Yeah, it's like the culmination of a decade of the Lions in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I thought it was the darkest, but now it's 12 years later, and we're just re-entering the cycle mm. once again. Hmm. That's, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, man, that you have to live through that. But, I can't well, believe I, I still love this team. Is, <laughs> is that crazy? I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, so I, I, I completely understand the delusion of, like, how do I still root for this team? But, but just, you had those Ewing years, those Starks years growing up. You got yeah. to see Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell and Camby bring you guys to a, a, a championship. Yeah. we I haven't had any moment, you know? It's yeah, just like you had one playoff win. Did you have one? It was in 1991. I unfortunately don't remember it. Mm. I went back and watched it during quarantine, and uh, Eric Kramer looked great. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you won one more than that, but apparently I'm wrong. Uh, We beat Dallas, but then there was a pass interference call that was reversed. Uh, It was against Brandon Pettigrew, and I wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt either. So here you go. Wasn't that that the one with the catch that was not a catch or shouldn't have been a catch? Um, no, that was the next week versus Green Bay. With this the, was, um, the, you know, it was oh the first God. time. A pa- it was the only time I've ever seen a pass interference announced to the crowd. The ball was moved up, and then they reversed the call. Mm. Mm. But that's just how it is with the Lions. Like you're a Packers fan. Like that Monday night game last year. That was yeah. That was rigged. That well, for me as watching that because there's been a few games in the recent years where the Packers have had that go against them, like that Clay Matthews sack on uh, in the Vikings game that wasn't a, that wasn't a roughing the passer that was called roughing a passer uh, fail mirror game. So I, I fully admit the Packers had no business winning that game. That was bullshit. But it was just kind of like thinking, all right, karma. Let's do this in a year where we don't suck. So like, so for that was my Packers fans perspective. But I'm fully on your side that that was bullshit. Yeah, because it was two uh, illegal hands-to-the-face calls against Trey Flowers, and I looked it up afterwards. Oh, it was on his shoulder. Yeah, Trey Flowers had never been called for a hands-to-the-face at any level of football. Mm. And then he got called for two in the second half of that game after third down stops. Seems a little sketchy to me. (laughs) Yeah. And you you know I'm in the gambling industry, right? Yeah, I know you do your weekly. Uh, I see your videos; they're very entertaining. 
Yeah, I, I work for a, an operation called the Props Network. So I, there was actually some uh, conspiracies about that ref, mm. Cleet Blakeman. And during that stretch, um, 15 minutes before every one of Cleet's games, someone went and they placed a $200,000 money line bet on the home team. Mm. So he very quietly got investigated for it. But the Detroit Lions, they've given me a lot of joy. And I would argue that they have enough cool things related to them to outweigh the bad and allow me to love them. That's great. So what I usually end this show with is what is, I'm glad we ended, I tried to end it on an upbeat note. So I'm glad you said that you still have things to love about them. What can make you love this team more? What do they need? What would you say is like, in three years from now, you'll say the Lions did good. Look, they'll never be good. I will never <laughs> see a playoff game, but here's how what gets me through it. We invented Thanksgiving football. We are Axel Foley's favorite football team. <laughs> and Marvin Gaye practiced for the Detroit Lions. Hmm. Do you ever listen to the Marvin Gaye What's Going On album? Yeah. So you know that, that track... Um, I think it is what's going on. You're hearing people talk and they're chittering and chattering. Yeah. That's the Detroit Lions secondary. I did not know that. I honestly did not know that. Yeah. So we had, we're, we're on a Marvin Gaye record. I mean, if you can't win a Super Bowl, at least you can make the best American holiday better. You can make the best R&B singer of all time a little bit more sensual. <laughs> and that'll be our con contribution to the zeitgeist. Meanwhile, we have the only quarterback outside of Aaron Rodgers who's actually a decent human being. Yeah, which is not nothing. That's I mean, those are three things. Like you said, I like that. Just enough to still love that team. Those are wonderful things. Yeah, it's fine. And it's not getting better anytime soon. We're going to rebuild the rebuild process. We're going to pick the wrong guy. And you know what? Gambling, it's a hell of a thing to get you through each Sunday. <laughs> All right, let's leave. We can leave it on that cherry note. But Joel, you mentioned uh, Props Network. You, you want to give the information for that? Do any other plugs? All that? Yeah, um, I have a twice weekly show doing analysis, gambling talk, and comedy at the Props Network. It's called The Walk On. It's um, you can live stream it every Monday and Wednesday at seven, or it's on all podcast platforms on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's a ton of content. It's my full time job. So I would appreciate anyone supporting it. I I uh, miss you, man. So thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, I'm not going to say go Lions, but I will say good luck. We'll we'll win this week. We play Washington. Oh um, yeah. I think I think we'll take care of that. And I think the Packers have a good hope this year. I don't think that coach is actually good. Am I crazy? He see, I like Lafleur. He just he's not good at second half adjustments. When they're not doing well in the first half, they don't do well in the second half. That's been the pattern. Um, that's and that's a problem, for in, especially in this NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think the skill positions are amazing. There, Aaron Jones is probably the best Packer running back of my lifetime. I would say so. Yeah, my but, yeah, I would agree with that. But you you guys just can't stop any running teams, and that's, it's so weird. That's it's the same problems as last year. The same problems we had last year looked like they're the same problems this year. So that's that's not uh, encouraging for this season for the Packers. Yeah, but oh, oh well. Luckily, the Minnesota Vikings are mathematically eliminated. <laughs> <kind of. laughs> At least we have that.
Yeah. The best the best team in the NFC is three and five. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. Well, thanks so much, Joel. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, bud. I had a great time. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to My Team Sucks. If you like the show, you can follow us at My Team Sucks Cast on Twitter, My Team Sucks Podcast on Instagram, and My Team SCKS on Facebook. Facebook does not like the word sucks, apparently. You can follow me, Ethan Stanislavski, at Ethan Stan Comedy on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. You can also donate to the show through our Anchor.fm page, or you can Venmo me directly at Ethan Stanislavski. Thanks for tuning in. Hope your team doesn't suck. <laughs>